This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Equity Mind. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help you break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for this episode. Uh, it's tough to pick uh, who our favorite guest has been over the years, but I think this man would uh, would come very close. One of few people in Australia that can tell us anything we want to know about any ASX listed stock. <laughs> True. We're not going to test him on it today, uh, but um, yeah, I'm excited for this one. It is our absolute pleasure to welcome Henry Jennings back to the studio. Henry, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. And what a great introduction. i got to say, I'm very flattered and I think you're way off the mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you've got to live up to you it. All, you say that to all the boys, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't. You can go back and listen to all of our episodes. <laughs> well, I, say, I say it to all the guests that I have on my podcast. So really thrilled today. So Henry is a senior investment analyst and portfolio manager writing for the last three years at Marcus Today? Six. Six. Jeez, Six. we got that recent. You need to update your website because that's oh, straight from your I website. I have a website. <laughs> you have a web page. When did that happen? <laughs> Um, Henry specializes in small and mid caps um, and, you know, is incredibly knowledgeable. We have interviewed Henry a couple of times. um, So go back and listen to those apps if you haven't already. Uh, More importantly as well, Henry writes every day for the Marcus Today members and uh, runs the small cap model portfolio, letting you know all the buys and sells that uh, he is thinking and also a bunch of research on small caps. So uh, head on over and and follow the work that Henry is doing. And we've got a bit of a special offer um, for Equity Mates as we go through this episode. But um, today we're going to be Uh, talking a bit about the investment process that Henry goes through to find small caps, uh, a few of the thematics that Henry is interested in, and then three sleeper stocks that have a lot of potential upside. So no pressure there, Henry. (laughs) (laughs) But let's uh, let's rip into it, Ren. So Henry, uh, before we get into everything that Bryce just introduced there, we want to start with a bit of a game. We call it overrated or underrated. We'll throw some themes out there. You tell us what you think of them. Uh, let's start at home with our major index, ASX 200, overrated or underrated? Is this a binary? I can't be degrees of overrated, underrated. Oh, you can give us, uh, uh, it's flexible answer, Whatever, you, however you want to answer it. Flexible, I like <laughs> flexibility, that's always good. Uh, ASX 200, I think 
at the moment it's a little overrated. I think we just need a little bit of a pause for breath. I think we've had a pretty good run. We were at 7,300. I mean, that's, that's extraordinary when you consider what's happened in the last year or so. Mm. Even before the, uh, the pandemic hit, the market was looking a little bit, I guess, a little bit toppy. And here we are, we're even higher. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. I'm alert, but not alarmed. Okay. Well, speaking of needing to pause for breath, uh, NASDAQ 100, overrated or underrated? I think the same applies to that, especially with the pressures that we're seeing at the moment with inflation, bond yields. I know we had a jobs number the other day that was relatively benign, if you like, because it was disappointing. So that was good. But, um, you know, you can see it in the price of stuff. Stuff is costing more. Everything you buy has stuff in it, and that stuff is costing more. So it's only a matter of time before we see that starting to come out into inflation and interest rates, and that's going to affect those long-term valuations, I think. Yeah, it kind of feels like we're going to be going into a bit of services inflation soon as a lot of stuff starts really reopening and prices start coming back in that space. Um, Yeah, it it, it does feel that way, doesn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm obviously somewhat older and my demographic is different to what you guys spend money on. But, you know, I have kids that are spending money and, and stuff costs money. You go to a, the bar and I went to a bar the other day and I had a schooner of, of Peroni. It was $11. I know. <laughs> I was I know. Just thinking, that's just crackers. crazy. Yeah. When did, I know it was a posh bar, but really 11 bucks. Yeah. Luckily I only had one. <laughs> uh, Henry, overrated or underrated Bitcoin? Massively overrated. Okay. Massively overrated. I, I still struggle to get my head around crypto. I know that there is a limited supply of Bitcoin. There's 22 million allowed and all that sort of stuff. But then they create another currency. And then you have these sort of meme currencies that develop and all these other things. And Bitcoin consumes so much energy. You know, it's, um, it's, a, strange, it's a strange beast. I think it's a sign of the times that we have Bitcoin. I'm sure digital currencies have their place, and I think it will emerge that they do. But what the value is, and people talk about the fundamental value of Bitcoin, there is no fundamental value of Bitcoin, apart from the electricity that it costs to produce one. Um, I know there's lots of other digital currencies out there, Ethereum, etc., which can be of use. But at the moment, I still struggle to see the value in Bitcoin. Fair call. Interesting little tidbit at the end there. So you like Ethereum over Bitcoin? I, I, th- I think... I. Th- I've got to say, I'm not an expert on the other ones because we tend to focus on Bitcoin as it's like the BHP, I guess, mm. um, rather than looking at the champion iron down the, down the list. People don't look at that so often. But um, I think you know, a digital currency that can actually be useful and can be transacted in, in the real world is fine. But at the end of the day, we already have a digital currency. You know, you've got your Commonwealth Bank app. It tells mm. you how much money you have. You go, boop. And it takes the money off. You go, boop, somewhere else, takes the money off. That's a digital currency. We've gone digital. We don't need to have made up algorithms to, uh, to do this. We have this currency. Whether it's a hedge or not, we'll talk about that later, I suspect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, next one, uh, Henry, uh, overrated or underrated full service brokers and specifically here for retail investors? Underrated. Interesting. Okay. I, I was a full service broker. Um, I charge my 1%, et cetera. And I think they are particularly underrated, especially if you're starting out, because these guys can be a filter. They can tell you when you're being dumb. You can run ideas past them. And if you don't trade, you don't pay. It's not like you're paying a fee 
to chat to them for half an hour. If you decide the idea they try and sell you is no good, you just say, well, thanks very much and hang up. So when I was uh, sitting at home trading my own money many years ago, I used to use a combination of full service brokers and online platforms. And if I had a really brilliant idea, why would I bother phoning up a full service broker and giving them commission? It's, it's pointless. I'd much rather go to Comsec or whoever was the, my online guy at the time and do it for them. But if the online broker, if the full service broker phoned up and said, I've got this fantastic idea and you're going to double your money in a week, it's rude to then go to Comsec and do that trade. Apart from the fact, if you do, he's not going to phone you for the next idea. So as long as these guys are giving you value, they really are a great way to trade. I know that expenses is part of the whole equation, especially if, if you're dealing with small amounts of money, it can it obviously has a big impact. But if these guys are giving you great ideas, you should pay them because, you know, ideas are not free. Um, so, but if you have your own ideas and your own way of doing things, online is the way to go. But then you've got no one else to blame but yourself. At least with a full service broker, you can shout at them. Hopefully, if you're a good client, they might even take you to lunch. And also, you know, there's a lot of IPOs and these sorts of things around, and you don't always have access to them if you're just always going through the cheap as you can, $5, $10 trading systems. You're never going to get the access to the inside. Did you have any rules of th- – I mean, look, I disagree with you, but I'm not going to no, have no, a full argument here. It, it uh, would work for me. <laughs> it may not work for anybody else, but as I say, I've, I've been doing this for 40 years, and yeah. I've been – a full service yeah, broker. Yeah, I've been yeah. a trader. I've run my own money. I've done all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. So you do have a, you do have a, yeah, preference. yeah. But I think for us, we often grapple with the fees associated. And yeah, sure. How did you have any rules of thumb around? Like, if people are listening and are interested in going full service, uh, did you have any rules of thumb around like how you manage the cost, or did you have like a minimum investment relative to the cost of brokerage? If you're going to be paying 1%, and usually they have a minimum as well of 80, dollars $80, $90, $100 or whatever, then you've got to be dealing in a chip size that's appropriate. If you're just buying $1,000 worth of shares, clearly it's not worth your while. If you're buying 50 grand worth of shares you know, and you're doing that regularly, then you can negotiate the rates down as well. But they've got to be offering you good value. Yeah. Now, these guys have been around for a long time. Um, when I first started out in broking, you had to be invited to be a client of a broker. And they charged 2.5%. Now, those were the good old days. If you were a broker, 2.5%, you went to lunch at 12.30. <laughs> a cigar, a glass of port, and away you went. That was it. Slip for the afternoon. But if they're not offering good value, then don't use them. Mm-hmm. But if your chip size is big enough to warrant spending $100 an idea, yeah. not just a trade but an idea, then... You know, they are worthwhile. Yeah, I think that's probably the thing. My check size probably isn't big enough. If if I start, yeah, getting to that 1% level, then maybe I'll be convinced. And you can always pick their brains. Mm. You can always lie about how much you're going to trade with them. I know, I know it's a bit rude, but you, you can. You get good ideas. And they, you know, they are a font of knowledge as well. And they may, you know, you may invest two or $3,000 and pay $10 a trade, but you may lose all your money because you've been silly and you've had a silly idea, so... It's, it's horses for courses. Mm. So, Henry, you run the small cap model portfolio at uh, Marcus Today. I do. Um, and every time we speak to you, there's always a new stock, a new small <laughs> cap, a new mid cap that we've absolutely never heard of, yeah. um, which, is, which is very impressive. Um, it's also a part of the market that is very difficult to get information on and to do research and particularly for retail investors to actually know where to start. 
So where do you start when it comes to finding these types of stocks? Um, it's, it's, I guess it's a matter of fossicking. We're, I'm in a lucky position, which is not every retail investor's position, because we have 3,500 plus members who are really happy to keep sending me the stocks they fancy and they like and say, check this one out, nice. which is great. It's a great filter. Um, so it's, it, you can get a bit overwhelmed by the number of stocks that they send you. Oh, hey, look at this one. This is fantastic. They're doing this. And you're looking at it thinking, I'm not an expert in cancer drugs. I'm really not. <laughs> I'll do my best. So th- there is that great thing. But, you know, for retail investors, part of the game is to keep your eyes and your ears open and just read as much as you can. And there's so much information out there, whether it's your great podcast from Equity Mates, whether it's, you know, th- there's so much out there. And there are, you know, some of our competitors are fantastic at fosking around for stocks. We don't have a massive research department. But the other beauty of signing up for a full service broker is, even if you don't use them, is they send you the research. So if you actually sign up with one of the smaller brokers, because they don't bother with the BHPs of this world, because there's no point, there's no point every little tiny broker trying to get the resources to analyse BHP. So they look around like I do for the little stocks. So, um, and especially in this pandemic era, the number of uh, resource conferences and small cap conferences, um, which you can go to, which you don't actually have to go to anymore. You can just sit at your desk yeah. and you have it on the background and your ears prick up and think, oh, that one's interesting. And I, and I also, I spend my whole day in front of a screen and have done that for the best part of 40 years. And you, you have a screen and it flashes, you know, it flashes signals and it says this one's, stuff happening here, there's stuff happening there. And then you can delve into it and try and find some research, try and find some newspaper articles, try and go down the Googling, and then look at the company websites, look at their last presentation. There's so much information out there, but it's it's handy to have that kind of funnel, I guess. So it depends how you um, how big you want to get the funnel. Mm. Um, you know, if, if your thing is one particular theme or one particular sector, then your funnel gets a lot smaller, which is good. But, you know, sitting in front of a screen, and this is, again, goes back to full-service brokers, that's what they do. They sit in front of a screen all day and they make telephone calls and they talk to people and they get ideas and they tell people about these ideas and the research guy tells them and there's this interaction. So finding a good small cap broker, perhaps, um, you know, the Morgans or the Bell Potters, um, and they're quite big guys, you know, the Canacourts. And the Stock Exchange as well has a good program where they – pay brokers to do research on small companies so that, you know, small companies don't get overlooked. So the Stock Exchange does that. And every week they have a list of, you know, 10 stocks that have been analysed by a small broker. They get paid 10 grand or something for the analyst to do the report. Um, And again, that's a good source for those companies that don't get much coverage. But just going to these, you know, these Zoom conferences is fantastic. You can, you can knock over 20 stocks in a day. Unfortunately, they're usually at a you know th- Thursday eleven a.m. when most retail investors are looking at Excel spreadsheets for the big boss somewhere else. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, I, mean, I guess the trick is then is to put it on on your headphones and have it going in the background and yeah. just wait for your ears to prick up. But you know, certainly, and a lot of those are repeated as well. So a lot of those yeah. webinars and things are repeated. So that's pretty good. It's yeah. very useful. Or or to follow you and to get your distilled wisdom of these well, conferences. That, you missed a trick. I did miss a trick, didn't I? There, there, is, there is that, that of course, Seriously softball so, and you missed it. I know. <laughs> you locked it up and I just looked at it, didn't I? So um, you mentioned the ASX broker reports. Um, 
and it's probably worth mentioning for people that anyone can access them for free via the ASX website. If you search uh, ASX broker reports or ASX equity research scheme, uh, they are a good source of information on companies you probably never have heard of. And, and the other great tool that, uh, especially for retail investors and for, for young retail investors, is your eyes. The Mark One eyeball is brilliant. You're seeing things every day that we old folk just don't, <laughs> it doesn't, you know, compute. Now, when I started out, you'd go, you'd walk down Pitt Street and you'd look at the carrier bags, see how many people actually were buying stuff to get an idea of how many you know, people are um, actually buying as opposed to just wandering around and talking to people. Every time I go into a shop or get in a taxi, you say, so how's business? What's happening? What's um, So there's all that as well. Mm. Gives you insights. So uh, you, you have like a really wide, I guess, top of the funnel. And I think a key thing there is that there's nothing there that is, you know, it's, it's not prohibitive to the general retail investor. It's no. not shaking hands with the CEO and no, sitting in a room with nice. them for an hour. Um, it's information that's readily available to anyone. I guess the key question is once you have an idea, you know, a thought bubble has popped up in your head, yeah. do you have any sort of key tools or um, processes that you use to research the company and come to an investing decision? Um, I think the first thing to think about is the management, is the people involved, uh, especially if you're looking at small caps because – you know, a lot of the time these guys can be just trying to invent the best ever mousetrap and they can be piling money in just a, you know, it could be a lifestyle business as well. Their lifestyle, not your lifestyle. Um, that especially applies to mining companies. So look at the people and the management behind it, the board. Um, if you've got credible people that have done it before that know how to take a, a small company to a big company, because it is a, a massive challenge to do that. Um, it's not always that easy to run a public company. So a lot of the times there's that, you know, everyone gets really excited about the, the private-public arbitrage where you've got a private company trading on you know, stuff or multiples and it goes public and then it becomes a 20 PE and it suddenly it goes from 20 million to 400 million. That's great. That's fantastic for the company and the founders, etc. But they still got to then learn to grapple with how to run a $400 million company. And we're seeing you know, some of the growing pains, I guess, of a stock like Newix, which has you know, gone from a private company for donkey's years to a public company with mm. all that comes with that. And we see it time and time again. So I think it's really good to start with the people. Um, and then it, depending on what sort of stock it is, it's whether it's got the technology, the moat, how it's doing in terms of business. You know, every business has its own kind of vagaries and mm. own kind of metrics. And then look at, you know, whether they've got the, you know, we always look for that big addressable market and biotech guys are fantastic at that. You know, they say, well, this, this market for this disease is 400 billion. And if we only get 1% of that, we're going to make a rubbish. Yeah. You know, it's, it, that's like saying, you know, the globe is 14 trillion, <laughs> whatever. If we only get a 0.0%, we're going to, you know, it's, it's silly. Um, so, but it is good to look at the addressable market and, and you look at some of these companies and they're aiming for something and you think, well, that's actually not a very big market at all. You, you're really going to struggle for that. So I think, you know, and then, once you've looked at the fundamentals about how the companies run, what they do, some of the numbers, then it's always good to check the technicals as well because and see who owns the company, you know, whether there's some big institutional shareholders there. That's always a good positive because it means you know, there's some sort of you know, imprimatur of um, you know, someone like Regal Funds Managers, you know, Phil King is, is on the shareholder register, then that's really, you know, 
These guys have got 20 analysts pouring over companies. If he's narrowed this one down and gone, yep, then you go, oh, hang on, that's a tick. Mm. Um, similarly with directors having skin in the game, all this sort of stuff, short positions have a look at. Um, there's so many things. just depends a lot on what sort of company yeah. you're looking at. I mean, last night um, Biogen got um, approval for their Alzheimer drug and you know some of our companies here are now getting a little bit of a lift because of that. So, you know, it's just looking at those sort of sentiment things as well, themes. And you see that we do have you know, pretty exaggerated themes that go for a while and then they drop off the planet and no one cares about them again. For <laughs> yeah. two or three years. I mean, two or three years ago it was lithium was the, the big thing that yeah. everyone was going for. And then, you know, SQM in South America said, we're going we're gonna to push production up. And everyone went, oh, my God, it's the end of lithium. And the whole thing collapsed and no one wanted to know mm. until yeah. six months ago, a year ago, and everyone went, ooh. I mean, we haven't been investing that long, but even in our time, cannabis, there was a massive yeah. theme around cannabis and where's that gone now? Well, cannabis is an election thing. See, cannabis is an American election thing. So November 16, when Trump got elected, I wrote a big article saying, well, forget the election of Trump for the time being. We knew that was going to be problematic and interesting for the next four years. But also at the same time as the, the US presidential election, there were lots of changes to cannabis laws and they were voted on and that opened the door. And then, as you say, it kind of went quiet again. And then 2020, we had the election. Again, we had that spurt in cannabis because it was, again, part of the, the voting was to do with cannabis. And there's, you know, the cannabis drinks and I think Corona, yeah, yeah. corona are pushing into that side of things. Yeah. So there's a lot happening there, but it it's just takes a long time and people get impatient because there's a new shiny thing over here. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Look at this one. Look at this one. Well, I bought Galaxy the lithium yeah. back in 2017 at $1.52 or something, wrote it up to about four bucks and then saw it slide for three years back down to about 80 cents or whatever it was. And now it's back up at like four, four something, 380 something. And have something. you held it the whole time? No, I sold it right at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I got so impatient with it. I was like, lithium sucks. Why is this not do, going do you anywhere? Want me to make you feel really, sold really, it and really, then, really bad. <laughs> Now it's back. Do you want me to make you feel really, really bad? No, no, no. <laughs> let's move on. No, no. I'll, I'll just, I'll just tell you this story because we had an email from a from a client uh, from a member who had 150 grand and he put it in Kidston or Kidman Resources rather. Kidman, yeah. Um, he took that 150 into 800 and was then going to retire that as part of his debt. He was going to retire debt with that 800 grand. He decided instead to put it into Liontown Resources. Now worth twelve million. Wow! Wow! So Jeez. he's got one stock. It's like Curly in, in City Slickers. Did one thing. Wow! But that's like those people who just backed CSL from. We had, yeah. I, the, I met a guy the, the day, day that put, it borrowed yeah. ten grand, put it into CSL day one, never sold a share. Yeah, and they're now multimillionaires. Yeah, yeah. And this, yeah. the same would apply for your generation with Afterpay. There'll be people there that well, Afterpay. We were looking at Apple this morning when it was fifteen cents in early nineties or whatever, yeah. and thinking about the people that would have got in on that and just yeah. held it through. It's eighty three thousand percent. That's just conviction. Yeah, just that's conviction. That is conviction. Invest, yeah. yeah, that's conviction investing, and that's you know, Marcus wrote a big article this morning about it. How can you know if you looking at your portfolio, do you want to know 20 stocks kind of vaguely or do you want to know one stock really, really well? Yeah. And know the management and talk to the management and follow them and, and know that really, really well. And in the case of this guy with Liontown, he just, that was his focus and 
12 million bucks. Yeah. Well, I saw a quote the other day that I was, I was talking to Ren um, that I'm sort of pondering over at the moment. Because when you start investing, everyone's like diversify, diversify. But then this quote was, um, you know, concentrate to build wealth and then later in life diversify to protect that. Well, which is, that's where you need that high conviction. But anyway, we digress. We do have a lot to get yeah, through. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry. So uh, firstly, if you want to hear more from what Henry is writing um, daily across Marcus today for his members, it's called Henry's Take, where um, he talks all things market strategy and small caps um, and uh, in reference to the small cap portfolio. So you can get 14 days, uh, a free trial to Marcus today, which is not only what Henry writes, but um, it covers the growth income ETF and small cap model portfolios. And the good news is that uh, if you do enjoy that, there is a special offer that uh, is available for Equity Mates listeners that they will reach out to you with. So sign up for a 14-day free trial for Marcus Today by going to marcustoday.com.au slash small caps, and uh, you'll be able to get full access to the offer, which is not only Henry's small cap model portfolio, but as well, uh, the growth income and ETF model portfolios as well, and all the information that they're writing. So marcustoday.com.au slash small caps. But now let's chat thematics. Yeah. Well, we just uh, spoke about how themes come and go and how themes can uh, make a sector very hot for a moment. Um, and ironically, we're going to use that as a segue to talk about some themes that you think are quite hot at the moment, Henry. So you've given us two here. Um, both are very uh, front of mind for a lot of investors at the moment. So we'd love to get your thoughts on them. The first one is gold and the inflation hedge. So why are you interested in this theme at the moment? Well, I guess we, we talked about this at the beginning of the podcast. We know that stuff is getting more expensive. We know that timber in the US is up 46%. We know that hog prices are up 58%. We know canola has gone through. So we know inflation's coming. The, the question really is whether it's transitory or whether it is more embedded. Now, most uh, investors in the last decade or even two decades have never witnessed inflation. Governments did a really good job back in the uh, in the 80s and, and the 90s of of changing the way they measured CPI to the extent that it took out basically the things that were always going up, like housing, <laughs> yeah, insurance, yeah. healthcare, and education, healthcare, education, yeah. childcare, <laughs> all those things that you need. Yeah. Whereas a pair of shoes or a computer that you buy every once in a while, they're all part of the, the CPI, etc. So um, inflation is there, and, it, and you know if you wanted to put your kids into childcare or even into private school, God. That is a scary thought for my children to put their kids into into private school. It will be a hundred thousand dollars a year. So there is inflation out there. So the question is, how do you how do we handle that inflation? What effect is that going to have on the global economy? Especially given that we have so much stimulus coming down in theory, if it ever gets through in the U.S. Uh, into the U.S. economy, and still so much stimulus in our own economy. Now there's still, I think, eighty percent of the Gladys vouchers have yet to be spent, and we've got. Two and a half. Two week. and a half weeks. Mm. Yeah, no, my wife's sitting on a few. I'm thinking, what are we going to see in the movies? I actually haven't applied for mine yet. I should do. That. <laughs> you should do. You should do. It's free Gladys money. It's great. Yeah. So inflation is coming. We, we know that. It's a question of how long it lasts. And very many, very few people have actually seen. I remember inflation. You know, I grew up in the 80s, 70s. I was at school in the 70s and, and the 80s, and there was massive inflation. And interest rates got to 17. percent mm. You know, you, you tell that to the kids today, and they won't believe you. Um, <laughs> You know, so it's there. So the question is, how do you inflation-proof your portfolio? And then I guess the other question is, how do you 
make the most of that inflation. And making the most of that inflation, I think, comes down to the resource trade because they are going to be making now iron ore $206, $207 a tonne. That is extraordinary. That's US. You know, that's that's extraordinary. The last time that this iron ore price was up here, the Aussie dollar was ten. It was 1.1. 1. 1. Mm. It was parity plus. So resources are a great place to be to give you some inflation hedge. And then if you want to protect yourself from inflation, which resources will do to some extent, but you look at things like transurban, you know, these guys have price rises for their toll roads. Every time it goes boop, then you are paying your your toll and they have price rises that are linked to inflation. Mm. Same as you have with the REITs, who the rentals on a lot of shops and a lot of supermarkets, etc., are linked to inflation. If inflation's 4%, that's how much the rent goes up. So there is a certain amount of inflation protection through those sorts of dull companies. The, the, the flip side of that, of course, is that they are usually bond proxies. So as rates, interest rates go up, and they will go up eventually, then they will get affected because they borrow money long-term and mm. they use that for buying infrastructure assets or, or um, building infrastructure assets. So there are a few ways to do it. And then, of course, there's gold. And this comes down to the, the Bitcoin being digital gold. Is it digital gold? Well, I don't think it is because it, it just has too much volatility. But gold has been a store of wealth and an inflation hedge for a, a huge period of time because it is, it is a, a relative store of wealth. There is a limited supply of gold, a bit like Bitcoin in some ways. You know, it takes a lot of money to dig up gold. It takes a lot of money to mine Bitcoin as well. They have a lot of similarities. So gold is a bit of an inflation hedge. So I think it's good to have some gold exposure in your portfolio. Many investment advisors will tell you, you know, 5% or whatever should be in gold, whether it's physical or gold miners. I prefer to go with gold miners because you have that leverage. But you have to be careful because not all gold miners are created equally. You know, there, there's some that have got massive hedging in place, some that are in dodgy countries where there's a big sovereign risk, especially at the moment in West Africa, um, and some have got production issues, say St. Barbara, which has had, you know, the gold price has gone up, St. Barbara has just slid into oblivion currently. So you have to be careful which ones you pick. You know, stocks like Chalice have done extraordinarily well. Um, DeGray Mining, which is one that I really like, and maybe we'll talk about that one later, now, they've got a really interesting new project that's coming on stream. Great drill results. Um, so you have to look. And it's also good to look at the timeline as well for these miners to go from explorer to producer. And not everybody wants to do that transition. Not everyone wants to make the leap. Some explorers just want to explore. They just want to go and dig holes, drill stuff, get out there with the auger, get out there with the with all the equipment, Big boy stuff with diamond drilling, and then when it gets to a stage, they'll sell it to somebody else that then does the hard bit of building the plant, making the, you know, doing the pit, all that sort of stuff. But there is some good opportunities in gold stocks and resource stocks generally. You know, and this plays into the theme of electric vehicles because to to green the planet, we're going to have to dig a lot of stuff up, which is kind of ironic. Um, and we're going to abuse the planet by digging it up um, to to enable us to go a bit more green. Well, that is a good segue into EVs. But just to wrap that, firstly, you'd be pleased to know that I sold all my gold exposure and bought Bitcoin. So <laughs> <laughs> you'd, be ha- you'd be happy with uh, that decision there, Henry. But um, just to wrap that, so if you are looking to, I guess, play the inflation hedge or, or game, um, it's finding companies that are 
linked in some way uh, to their pricing that is linked to inflation. There's resources uh, and then also having a look at gold as well. Yep. Come on, mate. You can remember the other two. Cash. <laughs> <laughs> but you, uh, rates and, uh, and some of the infrastructure. Yeah. They're the, exactly what I said. Price companies oh, okay. that rise so their I prices. You've got to look at companies that can actually pass on the price rises. Yeah, um, you know the, the likes of the you know the Kogans, the JB Hi-Fi. Things are going up. Everything that goes into a computer is is going up. So the the, you know, the price they pay for all that stuff is going up. And whether they can pass it on to the consumer is the issue. If they can't, then their margins are going to get squeezed then they start to have problems. Mm. So let's move to the second thematic that you're looking at at the moment, and you did mention, mention it there, and that is electric vehicles and battery tech. No doubt it's one of the hottest spaces <laughs> at the moment. It is. Um, what are you interested in here? Well, we all know uh, that electric vehicles are coming, but that, I guess that's only part of the equation. Electric vehicles, just a, just a car with a different kind of engine to it, whether it's electric or a combustion engine. But it is going to fundamentally change things. And I, and I think we're a bit closeted in Australia. We haven't really grasped the whole EV thing, whereas Europe has. And the US under Biden is certainly heading down that way. But Europe has grasped this nettle with, with both hands and no gloves. And I think partly of that is because of Dieselgate. And they wanted to rehabilitate their kind of green credentials after... They got caught out with the whole diesel thing. So European car manufacturers going nuts. And battery tech is very important. The million-mile battery and that short charging and being able to even do the battery swaps, uh, that's very uh, important as well. I was talking to someone yesterday that was uh, looking at a truck company that you could um, do this battery swaps with. You could pull into the garage and you just pull your battery out, stick it in, pick up another battery. And, and Australia is very well endowed with all the natural materials that go into the greening of the new carbon-less economy, with, uh, whether it's copper, whether it's lithium, whether it's a variety of things. I mean, you even go down to you know, some of the companies out there, PPK, which is one that we've been uh, following for a while, which has uh, a boron nitride... Um, <laughs> nanotubes. I mean, this is this is out there. So this is this super, super kind of material that they've been able to produce with Deakin University. This stock's gone nuts. It's a billion-dollar company now. Um, it's gone nuts, and they, they have this new material which they can add to things to make it stronger and lighter. Um, and they do it for, I know this sounds dumb, bulletproof glass, bulletproof vests. Um, they're looking at putting it into, uh, it helps with the whole battery technology stuff as well, putting it into cars, making them lighter. Same with the stock, for instance, just a bit more left field, Carbon Revolution I recently added to the small cap portfolio. These guys make wheels in Geelong. They make wheels for Ferrari, for Mustangs, and they make light um, and, well, very light. And that's the idea is to make things light so that if you've got an electric vehicle, it can be more efficient so it's not just about battery technology, and we are endowed with you know, the lithium, et cetera, that we have in this country and the copper as well. So, And there's so many out there that are doing it, whether it's Vulcan Energy in uh, Germany. I mean, that's another one. I, th these guys are trying to combine uh, lithium brine extraction from geothermal. So they're using the, the, the heat from the geothermal to evaporate the brine so they can produce the lithium and they then can sell off the geothermal energy to the German power companies. So it's a twofer. 
I mean, it's fantastic. The, the, and it's another stock that's gone really, really well, and we've been following for a while. So th- you just, I think you just got to think a little left field with all this sort of mm. stuff. And there's a lot of people doing it, the Piedmonts, all these kind of guys out there, um, whether they're in America, and there's the whole rare earth thing as well that plays into the EV. So it's, it's a land of opportunity out there, I have to say. And it, it's, a, it's a theme now at the moment. It may last six months. It may last a lot longer. It may be finished by tomorrow and we'll move on to <laughs> Alzheimer companies or cannabis companies mm, or, or whatever. Podcasts. Or podcasting <laughs> companies. It's um it's pretty cool how Australia there's some there's some real gems in Australia. You know, you mentioned carbon revolution. Um, we spoke to Emma Fisher from Airly a little while ago and she mentioned this company on the Gold Coast PWR holdings yep. make like cooling systems. Good to see manufacturing, uh, auto manufacturing come back to Australia. Yeah. I mean, the PWR are very uh, specialised. They do uh, cooling systems for race cars, V8 supercars mm. and, and those sorts of things, which I've got to say, I mean, I think 56% of their income comes from motorsport, which is great, but motorsport's changing. Mm. And we're going to have electric races when they can actually finish them rather than run out of juice halfway around. But, um, you know, that, that will change cooling systems. You know, electric vehicles don't need half the bits that an internal combustion engine car has. You know, they're very simple. Um, it's the battery is the key to it. The rest of it, you know, the brakes, everything else, much more simpler. Well, Henry, we could talk about uh, these themes all day, but you have told us that you have three sleeper stocks with upside potential. That's your quote. Uh, so we want to hear about those. But first of all, so Bryce and I can continue to afford stocks, or we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So Henry, uh, we just mentioned there uh, you've teased us with three sleeper stocks with upside potential. So we want to uh, hear all about them. Uh, The first one is one that I will admit I've never heard of before. Uh, Cadence, ASX ticker CDM. Uh, Can you tell us what it does, first of all, and why it's got upside potential. Cadence is a LIC, which is a licensed investment company. Pretty dull in theory. I like LICs because they're hot tub time machines, especially ones, that's what I call them, especially ones that have transparent assets that you can see and they report often, they report their NTAs, because what happens is that the assets they own say we, when we came out of COVID in that March madness, we came out of COVID, all the assets these LICs owned sprinted to the moon, whereas the LICs sat at a big discount and gradually over time that discount moves back up again. And CDM 
uh, cadence is run by a guy called Carl Siegling, who's a lovely guy, and they had a bit of problems with Melbourne IT. Uh, they had a big investment in that, got all caught up in that, and it all got a bit kind of nasty and whatever. The NTA of Cadence is around the share price, around $1.10, which is the share price. But the big upside for them, they've got a sleeper inside Cadence. They, they made an investment some time ago uh, into a thing called Deep Green Metals. And these guys basically have a system of vacuuming up polymetallic nodules from the ocean floor, which are thick and full and easily processable of all the goodies that the market craves, the, the manganese, the cobalt, and all this sort of stuff. And they have, they have some territories where they have licensed this Dyson of the ocean to, to suck up these nodules and uh, off Papua New Guinea and various other places to do this. Now, the environmentalists say that this is going to be a major problem because it's going to suck up all the mud and disrupt all the infrastructure of the, of the ecosystem, etc. And there's a, supposedly something coming out in July as sort of a global thing. But the big attraction of this deep green metals is it's being stuck into a SPAC in the US and it will be listed. And the upside, if this gets listed in this SPAC in the US, this deep green metals that Carl has put money into some years ago, um, is quite considerable from the NTA at the moment. And at the moment, the NTA does not include the, the valuation of deep green metals. It, does, it doesn't have that in there. So I like LICs. Uh, there's another one, Long Short Fund, LSF, which we've, you know, I put in the, the portfolio at a dollar. They're now, you know, we've made 130% on those because it's a hot tub time machine. These, these guys tell you what they own. You can see what they own's moved 10%, and the NTA of the thing gets reported once a week. And you go, well, hang on a second. Well, that's going to move up. And then the share price, it's just, you know, it's, it, it's an easy drop. Um, so, and, and they shouldn't trade at such a big discount. In fact, you know, Jeff Wilson's just raised all this money or yeah, is in the process. We had, a, we had a chat to him recently. War. Yeah, war. What is it good for? <laughs> <laughs> so so that, that, that to me is a kind of a sleep. It's, it's not so much a sleeper stop, but it's got a sleeper inside that stop. Yeah. Um, which I think is is attractive. If they can pull off this deal, and it was announced in March, and this SPAC they're going to back this deep green metals into, um, and July is the sort of the, when they decide on the sort of the global footprint, well, the global way they handle these things sucking up nodules from the ocean bed, then uh, it could be quite positive for these guys. Nice. So that is Cadence, CDM. The next one is not a small cap. It's no. actually a large cap. No, I thought I'd throw in a wobbly one. Yeah, outside Maybe of- It has been wobbly. <laughs> yeah, it has been and wobbly. AGL, ticker AGL. Um, Australia's, one of Australia's most hated stocks, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you see, that, that's, that's well, the- what's, what's the sleeper going on here? Well, that's part of the attraction is it's one of Australia's most hated stocks. This is a company that, that really stuffed it up in the same way- that Sol Trujillo did with Telstra. Sol Trujillo, you remember, was the, the guy that came over from the States to run Telstra. He built the best network in Australia for mobiles, the best by a country mile. But he did argue with the government. He did really like upsetting Canberra. AGL's done the same with the whole Liddell power station. They've really done their utmost to upset Canberra as much as they could. The share price has been... Dogsville. It's been in the kennel for such a long time. Um, and they haven't really addressed 
Well, they're starting to address the Liddell problem. But the other thing that's caught them on the hop is wholesale power prices have collapsed. And they re- and this is part of the problem they've had is that because it's been so successful with renewables, that's pushed the <laughs> – it's perverse, but it's pushed power prices down, which has been bad for AGL, which has been, to be fair to AGL, has been kind of at the forefront of the renewable push. So talk about shooting yourself in the foot. But um, – in recent days or weeks or months, they have announced they're going to split the company into two. They're going to have a brown AGL and supposedly a somewhat greener AGL with the, with the coal assets in the brown bit and the renewables in the green bit. It's a bit murky. When you mix brown and green together, it's still kind of brown. So mm. it's it's still a bit murky in that we haven't had too many details and the guy that came up with the plan then resigned. Yeah, like the straight like, after. Yeah, there's commitment for you. <laughs> you know, why would you come up with the you know the cunning plan and put your finger in your mouth and do a Doctor Evil? Surely, take- surely there's a lot of backroom friction around. Yeah, there must be a yeah. lot of backroom friction. But wholesale prices have moved up. At least they have got a plan. It is one of the doggiest stocks in the market, and every dog has its day. I'm not saying it's going to go yeah. back to 18, 20 bucks that it went to you know, previously because it was a market darling. It was the one, you know, what could possibly go wrong? You flogged electricity. It was regulated. You had a nice big fat yield. Simple. Brokers used to love AGL. And then it just went it looked like a submarine going down to the bottom of the ocean. But I just think now it's got potential with this, this plan – which we'll get more details as we go forward. You know, they, they haven't even come up with a name yet. For, you know, it's like Newco and Primeco or whatever it is, <laughs> um, brown and green. Uh, but I think this one has got potential, and it has shown some signs of life technically in the last couple of days where, you know, it's 2% here, 3% there, but at least it's starting to, to pick itself up off the bottom. Very surprising. Mm. Uh, it, it surprised me as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll definitely watch that one closely. Um, it did surprise me. The, he was like, what? I wrote that down. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd they're, they're the kind of surprises you can expect if you sign up to Henry's newsletter. So. <laughs> we do get a bit left field sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this third one is one that I also hadn't heard of before. Neo Metals, uh, ASX ticker NMT. Um, why, why do you like it and what's the upside? Uh, Neo Metals has uh, is basically involved in recycling of batteries, the the, the car batteries that are the Teslas and all these guys are going to be using. They're involved in the recycling of it. It's the recycling technology, and this is going to be pretty important going forward because I suspect supply won't be able to keep up with demand once you sort of hit that critical juncture where there's enough charging stations rather than just you know there's three in Sydney or whatever. Mm. Um, but once, you know, in some parts, of, I think I read somewhere someone was putting in 360,000 charging stations this wow. year. And Germany is putting in like a million. Um, so it, it's, 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 it, this is happening, but just not happening in Australia. Um, so <laughs> th- these, these guys are doing recycling of batteries. They're debt-free. They're cashed up. Um, they're in Europe. They're uh, allied with a lot of the big players in Europe to do this recycling. They've got some vanadium recycling as well. It just looks an interesting story. They recently sold off their um, lithium rights at, uh, I think it's Mount Marion from memory. I could be wrong, but they've just recently sold off their lithium rights uh, for 30 million bucks. So they've they've got plenty of cash. They can see this thing through to, uh, to, you know, at the moment they're doing pilot plants. They're doing pilot plants in Australia. 
uh, which seem to be working pretty well. So it's and there's a guy from Tesla who was really high up at Tesla that quit Tesla to start up a battery recycling business. You know, so the smartest in the businesses are looking at this and going, well, you know what? We're gonna when these batteries have finished their life, ten years or whatever, the million miles or however many miles that you get out of an electric vehicle battery, what do you do with them? You can't just stuck them into landfill. You're gonna have to recycle them and take the good bits out because that's part of the green theme. You know, let's, we don't dig stuff up. We can recycle what we're using, and I think these guys look quite interesting. Neo Metals NMT is the code. It's um, again, this was one that uh, one of the guys on our um, Facebook group said, have a look at this. And you look at him and, oh, yeah, okay, I, I, I get this. I can, you know, I've watched the guy from Tesla that's now into the recycling. I think it's from Tesla. And, uh, you know, you can see this is going to be big business. It could, I could be you know, two years too early, three, five years too early, but you can see that somebody is going to crack, yeah. crack yeah. this because what do you do with your Tesla battery when your Tesla finishes? Get a new Tesla. Yeah, but then, <laughs> well, then what do you do with the whole car? <laughs> yeah. Send it back. <laughs> so you know, send it to Mars with Elon. Yeah, send it to the it just, it just I think it just appeals in in terms of you know, getting the circle of the circle of life. Yeah, yeah the circle yeah, yeah. of the green life in, in electric vehicles and their batteries, um, the recycling of them. So I think it looks quite interesting, and it is a European focused company, and, and they are at the forefront of uh, the EV revolution, I think now they've, they've played catch up with Elon and they want to take him. Nice. So just a reminder there of the three, Henry, we had Cadence, CDM uh, is the ticker, AGL, AGL, large cap, and uh, Neo Metals, NMT, as the three sleeper stocks that have uh, potential upside. Uh, and also a reminder to the Equimates community that Henry uh, does have his daily uh, Henry's take if you would like more information on what uh, what he's thinking and researching and also um, more info on the small cap model portfolio head to marcustoday.com.au slash small caps we'll put that link in the show notes to get a 14 day free trial to Marcus today and as we said earlier on that's not only access to the work that Henry's doing but you'll get access to the work that the whole team at Marcus Today are doing, which is across their growth model portfolio, income model portfolio, ETF model portfolio, which should be pretty interesting, and also the small cap model portfolio. Uh, we've obviously also had Marcus on the show a couple of times before, and uh, he's uh, full of knowledge as well. Mm. So between Henry and Marcus, I think the market's pretty well covered. It'll uh, be a very knowledgeable investment. It'll be a fun place meeting. to work, yeah. I reckon. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because we're both so alike. Our background are both very similar and we do think very similarly so it, it is kind of that that's a, a positive and a negative yeah um so but it is interesting but yeah i mean there, there's the, some of the stuff the uh, the team do on the, the website and in the newsletter is astonishing the amount of detail and we get some great feedback from members yeah so um, you've also got the um on the couch podcast is i do called? i do a, a weekly mostly weekly uh podcast i'm not as regular as you guys uh, on the couch, on where the I couch, try and get yeah. uh, CEOs or people that would be interesting to our members. Mm. So uh, whether it's a CEO of something like um, Vulcan Energy, which I did recently, or or Nick Griffin from Munro Partners, that one was an absolute cracker. Mm. Now there's a smart guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and some guys from Elliston as well. So it's it's just a kind of a, a bit of an informal one. This week I'm doing the CIO of um, the Long Short Fund from L1 Capital, Mark Landau. Nice. So... Um, yeah, it's good. It's and fun. just a, a reminder as well that Henry, well, at last check, you were actually in the Equity Mates Facebook discussion group. Yes, I am. Um, so if you want to 
tag Henry and ask him. Yeah, ask him some questions. Some questions. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he will uh, respond. No pressure, but um, he he is a part of the community. So if you sign up to the free trial at Marcus today, you go to our Facebook group, you pitch us, Doctor Henry, get his thoughts, and then you see it in the newsletter. True. Uh, Commission. You, yeah, you can um, slide into Henry's DM and sort something out with him there. <laughs> I, I also do this thing on usually every Friday called Ask the Analyst, where people. It's like a quick fire round. You just sit there on um, on a webinar and people just ask you questions and you have to answer them. It's quite fun. It's quite nerve wracking. I can imagine. But it is quite fun mm. to do. And you, you know, you get a two or three hundred people asking you questions about different stocks over an hour. So it's yeah. Makes there life interesting, go. keeps me on my toes. Well, look, nice. as we said at the top of this interview, you're one of the few people in Australia that you could ask any uh anything about any stock and you'd have an answer. And that's not something that we're saying. We actually heard that from someone else. They said three people in Australia, True. Uh, they would they would put up on a stage. That's and just because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> that's just because I'm old and been doing this a long oh, time. Mate, if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. <laughs> <laughs> but look, anyway, we have uh, gone over time. We want to say a massive thank you for joining us and giving, you some, uh, giving us some of your time today. It's a pleasure, guys. We are nothing if not predictable, and we always like to finish with the final three questions. Yep. So we'll try and rip through them quickly. Uh, the first one is, do you have any books that you consider must read? Uh, yes. Catcher in the Rye, On the Road, Liar's Poker, Market Wizards, yep. Anything by Peter Lynch. And if yep. you're vaguely interested in options, Options is a strategic investment by Lawrence McMillan, which was my Bible when I was an options trader in London. Right, nice. That's it's a options, it's called. Options as a strategic investment by Lawrence McMillan. And it's huge. Catcher in the Rye, On the Road, Liars Poker, <laughs> anything by Peter Lynch, yep. Options as a strategic investment. I hope I didn't miss any there, but there's some no. there's some good ones. Uh, second question, in 60 seconds or less, what's the best company you've just ever come across? I think I'd have to defer to my previous one of my previous employers, uh, Macquarie Group. Yes. Yeah, fair enough. Macquarie's getting a good run on this question. Well, it is. It's got some bad press at the moment over Newix, but I have to say, I, I worked there for seven years. I was very lucky to work there in the nineties, and at a time when it was a very small company, there were only twelve hundred people in Macquarie, and it was an extraordinary place to work. And I always likened it to being a buccaneer. Being a pirate, we, we we were allowed. We had a we had a charter from the Queen, and at the time the Queen was Alan Moss. Now the the Queen is a different CEO, Shamira. Um, so we had Which is a, what just make cash. Well, yeah, basically. <laughs> that, that, well, that's what the pirates had in from Elizabeth the first. Yeah. Go out there, guys. Annoy the Spanish and the French and make money. Yeah. And that, and that, but you have to abide by. The pirate code. Uh, yeah, so yeah. you had to abide by the code, which was the risk management. And the risk mm -hmm. management is everything. If you haven't got risk management, you end up like Archigos and that whole disaster there, Credit Suisse just going, scratching their heads while everyone else is selling. And they're going, hang on, guys. We had, we, can't we sell? Um, so risk management is important. It is paramount. And Macquarie has the, certainly in my day, was the best risk managers and still are. Um, and they have that buccaneer charter go out. I mean, they made a fortune out of the Texas freeze. You know, that That's the kind of entrepreneurial spirit they kind of imbue in their managers, division heads, mm. EDs, whatever. Mm. They're buccaneers. They're pirates. Nice. Go out and ransack the world. <laughs> yeah. Just do it within this rule. <laughs> yeah. just, keep, just keep playing nice. They and, and they do. They have, you know, goals and values. They have very specific. You wouldn't want to see it on the front page of the newspaper. Yeah. Mm. 
And then final question, if you think back to your early days of investing, maybe at Macquarie, maybe even uh, before then, um, what advice would you give to your younger self? I think don't get uh, too distracted by the noise. And this is something that Nick Griffin was saying at Munro Partners where I interviewed him the other day. Don't get distracted by all the noise. Try and look through the longer term. Start early as well. Mm. It's the most important thing. Compound interest, I know it's, it's an old cliche, but it is the most, you know, it's the most powerful force in the universe, without question. As Einstein said it, compound interest is the key. And if you start early, it works. You know, you just put a little bit of money aside every, every week, every month, um, and you know, try and look through the noise. And sometimes you've got to stick with your conviction, like the guy who had the Kidman and then the Lion Town. There was plenty of noise along the way, I'm sure, with Donald Trump's tweets during the night. But, um, you know, to end up with 12 million bucks out of 150 grand. It's not bad. That's not, not bad. Not it's bad not at bad. all, yes. So you know, look, look through the noise. And don't sell your house in London. <laughs> Devo. Don't Devo. sell your don't, don't sell your house in Clapham. <laughs> Definitely Devo. don't do that. <laughs> That was well, dumb. We've all uh, we've all learnt lessons along the investing journey. So, Henry, um, appreciate you coming on the show as always. Uh, a reminder to head to markustoday.com.au, small caps for everything that Henry and the team are doing at Marcus Today, um, and uh, we very much appreciate you coming on and always sharing something new with the community. So it's all it's always fascinating. Much appreciated. Pleasure, guys. Thanks, Henry. It's been fun. EquityMates Investing Podcast is a product of EquityMates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of EquityMates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the EquityMates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, EquityMates Media and the hosts of EquityMates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.